This is SideQuest Completed, the Hoppiest Game Dead podcast with your hosts Calvin and JC. Coming to you every Wednesday with encouragement and advice on making your game a reality. Do you want to know what I'm writing all the code I'm contributing to the project in? What? Python! Wow, Python is the topic of the show today. What a happy, genuine coincidence. Woohoo! What a happy random happenstance. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're talking about today, Python, the context of game development. And uh, let's see, I guess Calvin, you want to kick us off on that? Yeah, well, I think there's actually a lot of angles to talk about Python and game development, so it's it's a larger thing that I, I wouldn't mind bringing up a couple times. And oh, yeah. the context that I'm, I'm really was thinking of right now is kind of um, our respective background in Python, um, at least for myself, I, I think a lot about how that was my big introduction to, not my introduction to programming, but it's sort of what transitioned me from just a tinkerer to a developer who can get paid for being a developer. Yeah. Um, but that also has a lot of complicated relationship to my lifelong attempt to be making games. Um, Imagine. So it's something I think about a lot and something that I, I keep kind of swinging back to in one form or another over the years. Yeah. Uh, oh. But from a lot of different angles. Yeah, it's a very similar story for me. I uh, started with other programming languages, tried to learn C as a teenager, learned Java, types really do stuff, did a lot in Perl, actually, of all things, back in the day, still Perl 5. Uh, then I picked up Python, felt like I really figured out what programming could be like after getting my hands on that. Mm-hmm. I remember, one of the earliest things I worked with that really piqued my interest was Pygame. Same? Yeah. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, before I found Pygame, I was building a game and an engine in C++ and SDL. Whoa. Uh, which was actually, I, I don't like regret the thing I was building in that, and no, I yeah. like working with those. But then when I came across Python, especially I think because I was working in C++ and I was kind of just building a lot of things at a, a higher level of interfaces, and that made me look at Python and really see how that sort of just talked a lot of the implementation details that I didn't need to care about under yeah, the hood yeah. and let me still work with STL because that's what Pygame wraps. Uh, I basically found Python as, hey, here's an easier way to use SDL. Yeah, how to actually get stuff done and actually make a game instead of half a library and then give up because you're exhausted. Right. That was the theory. Oh, well, there's more to this tale. Well, it, yeah. Um, I never, the, the goal originally was, okay, I'm going to make this, because I, you know, I was building up this engine and I had a prototype working, but I was like, no, I can, I can reload the prototype in like half the time of what it took me to do C++ and then build the rest of the game much better. And mm-hmm. I never got to the same level of that C++ player prototype in Python. Ooh, and the reason is odd to think about. It's, it's kind of like, it's not just about Python, but it's about the Python community and the particular sub-communities that I found it through, which was the, uh, the Freenode channel, um, mm. which at the time especially, the Freenode Python channel was basically an offshoot of the Twisted Freenode channel for the Twisted Networking Framework in Python. And so the, um, the approaches and uh, like programming beliefs of the Twisted core developers was like built into the fabric of the IRC culture for mm. that Python channel. And so yeah. I kind of learned Python from them, those yeah. Twisted Core people, which are fantastic developers, but very, very opinionated ones. 
I learned yeah. a lot of great and, things. But and then also not real time client side game developers are there? Are they? That's the yeah. That one of the ironic ironic things is that Twisted History is sort of itself an attempt to make a game where they accidentally made a gigantic networking framework. Oh, as they were trying. They their goal originally, at least as I've heard it a few times, was making basically a mud. And so, like, Twisted wow. originally was a networking layer for the MUD they were trying to write. That brings me back, because one of my earliest projects that actually got some substance was a Perl-based MUD or Muck engine mm-hmm. way back in the day. Yeah. But it sounds like that. That's a very different game than a, a MUD, text-based game, role-playing, lots of text, usually played in a terminal, no actual mm-hmm. graphics, than uh, from an SCL 2D game. Yeah, I, I used the... Um, a- friend of me uh, used to hack on a... We're working towards a customized version of the Smaug engine in C, which Whoa. we were trying to build a, um, a Wheel of Time mud. Dang. So, I don't remember the state that that got to, but uh, we worked on that for a while. Uh, didn't have anyone run it, though, because, you know, just our own computers. We didn't, like, have places to, to host things at the time. We were, like, you know, junior high, so... Yeah, but it was a whole lot of uh, AWS back in the day, right? And no broadband uh, leaves your computer running to serve stuff from your house. You know, yeah. dial up. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's actually going to be a plot point in my game Anthrotari, involving yeah. mud and weather hosted. That makes sense. I I I like the I think a couple uh, games that kind of try to play in. Sort of a BBS feel. Yeah, and there's a hack mud too. Hmm, what's that? Uh, it's called hack mud. It's actually a game set on a simulated mud. I f- there's another one I'm thinking of, a similar name. I think one is on a virtual mud. I think I think it's all self-contained. The other game, which may be hack mud, actually has an actual mud connected to it that you can interface with. It has players and everything, but. A different story alongside that. I forget the details exactly. Killer soundtrack, though. I'll have to check that out. Definitely. And, uh, I'll, I'll check that out and put a link in the show notes as well. Yeah. So, um, what about your own background in Python? Because uh, I went into a little more detail of, of mine. Uh, similarly, I got wanted to do game development as a tyke myself. Tried doing it with Java. Tried doing it with um, not really see other things. Try doing a little bit with JavaScript in the browser. Not too much success. I find Python, and that was much more accessible for someone not experienced with other languages at the time. And actually, huge success in terms of actually getting prototypes out the door. I don't remember doing anything too big, because given my probable ADHD, get partway through, get distracted by something else, and we get around to stuff. But definitely dealt a lot of game skills and GUI skills going through that motion. In fact, the project I'm doing right now is all powered by, my part of it, is all powered by WXPython, a GUI toolkit. I've, I've worked that with that a couple times in the past. Yeah, it's been at least a decade plus since I last touched it, but the muscle memory is coming back like riding a bicycle, and it's allowed me to prototype some essential software in the space of single work days. And probably made a difference between this project launching in timely fashion and not. So whatever you want to say about WXPython as a specific GUI toolkit, 
having Python, having good libraries and whatnot make a huge difference when you really do need to prioritize something quickly. That's fantastic. I, yeah. that's, uh, I, I like that something like that that you could have used a long time ago. There's a lot of longevity in um, some of the larger Python tooling. And of course, things change over time, but there are things that you could have gotten into over a decade ago, not touched at all, and then can come back to when you need to bring up that skill set uh, in that particular um, use case again. And that, that's really cool because um, obviously the other line, you know, everything has old libraries, but yeah. uh, Python has a lot of things that are both mature and constantly updated. You know, they, they kind of get, um, you know, they're not frozen in time, but they're also always handy. So that's that's a really cool aspect of the language, I think, or yeah. more of the, the community. We don't tend to replace thing, large things um, so you can keep those skills around, and that's yeah, really useful. On that point, we're going to not cover Python 2 versus Python 3 because it's a short episode, and Python 2 is end of life this in December this year anyway, so lost cause. Please, for the love of God, don't start your project to Python 2 anymore. I've seen it happen. It's terrifying. Ugh, no. I stopped yeah. starting projects in Python 2 like five years ago. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm thinking of project. I can't say anything more because NDA, but it was started in Python 2 soon, more recently than five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's still a couple things, but uh, yeah. it'll happen. Of course, uh, I've always been very vocal. Oh, no, you said I'm not going to, we're not going to talk about it. Never mind. I'm going to move on. <laughs> not going to go into it. Yeah. So, what we can talk about is speaking of upgrading, uh, there's a library I want to sp- spotlight on. It's called Pursued Pi Bear. That's uh-huh. P U R S U E D. P, as in Python, Y, B E A R, pursued pybear.org, the URL in the notes. It's a game library designed for people learning how to make games. Uh, so disclaimer I'm friends with the one developers, creators of this library, and I've actually tried it myself, but very much like the idea of using it, especially because it's object oriented and event driven. Can. Yeah, I've been watching this. I um, I talked to the developers early on and kind of about some ideas. Um, I've been they did a lot of the development in another um, online forum that I spent a lot of time in, so I got to kind of watch the early things coming up. And I'm really excited about seeing it because uh, of one of the aspects of Python and game development that has been bugging me, which is the lack of movement. Mm. Um, and this is, I think, a really exciting effort. That, that has a lot of potential to go places. Yeah. Uh, and to spark new interest in Python and game development. So I'm, I'm really happy to, to see it spring up. And I've, I've played with it a couple of times uh, with little demos. Um, there's that Python runner that I um, have told you about a couple of times that I'm working on. Yeah. Um, the big impetus for that is giving them a way to ship games written in Pursued by Bear. Nice. Um, the, the only flaw is it's really hard to say it right the name, <laughs> especially if you want someone to be able to type it into Google, as you yeah. demonstrated so naturally. Yep. Well, thankfully, we can paste URLs into browsers and whatnot, so Google manageable. Yes, links will be uh, will be filled up in the show notes for sure. Awesome sauce. Yeah. So, what else we're we talking about in terms of Python? Well, um, let me talk about that a little bit that that I'm hoping that this will fix a little bit. Ooh, um, go for it. 
So I did talk about, you know, mentioning earlier about how there's a lot of things like um, tooling in Python that has continued with the community and matured and, and, and been moved along the years. Um, NumPy is always oh, yeah. uh, support, always well-supported and continues to be um, useful and stable and just kind of a rock of the ecosystem. Um, and the same for WX Python and for lots of other frameworks and libraries that people have been using for between 10 and 20 years now, uh, mm. depending on exactly when they started. Uh, technically, Pygame counts in that it's been there, but it uh, does not meet that requirement of moving. Mm. Uh, kind of reminds me of the Vim versus NeoVim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The part of this is the um, really years-long effort to move from SDL1 to SDL2. Oh, yeah. Um, but it also is kind of indicative of a larger thing where the Python game community is constantly blossoming and never maturing. Um, there are lots of people hacking on Game Jam stuff in Pygame, and nobody making games in Pygame. Like finishing games, publishing games, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, for whatever reason, um, people either never make more than a Game Jam size project, or they move on to something else afterwards. And Python never stays the thing that people use. And it's a real shame. And there, there are some special cases, uh, RenPy being the most notable one, which is another oh, Python-based no. way of making games, but it's, ex it's specific to um, interactive fiction games, and it has its whole own ecosystem of um, build tools and support. And constantly maturing and improving, I am mm -hmm. so very glad I chose it as my underlying framework for Anthotari. I would not... That's right, I actually forgot whenever I said that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, think just like, I really okay. want Python itself to be a more mature option for game development. And the yeah. frustrating thing is seeing it not any different than it was 15 years ago, more or less. Oh, yeah. And everything else around Python has grown so much over that time that the fact that in a lot of ways the game dev community in Python has almost uh, receded in the same time that everything else has exploded is really disheartening. Yeah. Hopefully Pursued by Bear and other options will help turn the tide on that and move things in a much more promising direction. I really hope so. Yeah. Um, because the goodness knows Python gets used a lot as a scripting language within games. I think mm -hmm. Civilization, it's, some versions of Civilization has supported it. And uh, it was used scripting yeah. in 3 and maybe 4, but they actually scrapped it for the last couple of games. Mm -hmm. For Lua, I think. Yeah, Lua's um, really popular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I I want it to be more visible, too. Like, yeah, it is used for scripting in some large titles, but it's almost always sort of invisible. You know, it's the, one of the internal implementation details more than anything else. Um, and it, or it's like a, the sort of weird hy uh, hybrid of the engine in Python where... Python's embedded as a language, but it's like a real specialized environment for that game, and so it's not—it's not like no, real Python. It's always has this weird flavor to it, so it's not really a transferable skill for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I really want honest to goodness regular Python as a valid commercial game option, and I know there's always going to be limits to that, given the nature of Python's runtime versus things like C and C sharp and, and other things. Uh, I know that there's going to be limits there, but there is a huge wealth of 
game genres and, and categories that are more than capable of being run in Python. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's just, I just, like I said, it just has not moved. And the problems that have kept it from moving have just stayed where they are for all this time. I, I really hope to see that um, through P Pursuit Pi Bear and, and maybe a little bit by my Python runner, which that is also like one of the main goals for that is specifically for games, but it, it's, got, it's generic, but the intent is make it easier to get a game in front of people. Oh, yeah. No, I can totally see a place for longer-term game jams, like one to three month long game jams that are designed all around finishing up games from other game jams and taking Python oh. games you prototyped and turning them into shippable, shippable actual viable games. Anything that would help yeah. to promote more complete large games in Python would be great. Oh yeah, um, There's a lot of ways a community like that could take form and maybe like somewhere to foster that is necessary. Yeah. What that noise was. That was Discord. That uh, was my Overwatch friends calling me. Yeah. Uh, yes, get all Overwatch. Yeah, but definitely, uh, definitely crossing my fingers, hoping there's a similar evolution there as well. Uh, there as well, goodness knows I enjoy Python and would love to write a game in that. So, definitely, uh, listeners, if you're interested in working with Python, check out Pursued PyBear, um, other things on there. Consider taking that game jam game you've made before and polishing up into a full-on game. After all, it's almost never like, a particular language that determines whether something can be made performant enough for a game, but rather all the stuff behind that. You can definitely make a performant game in Python. Uh -huh. Cool. All right, so that's like uh, any last things we want to talk about uh, Python before we review what we've been up to? Um, I, there's a lot that I could talk about. <laughs> um, I think the one other thing I'd like to touch on is that what I've had to do lately uh, for the last couple of years is I intentionally had to leave Python as my game tooling, which is a little hypocritical from what I just said. Yeah. Um, but the reason all. being, that I, I care so much about how I write Python. Like I've, you know, sort of built up my developer persona towards myself about, around like, you know, clean code and, and a certain structurized um, approach and all these things that just, when I'm building my own projects, I can just spin my wheels forever on refactoring and, and, and fixing stuff up. And I basically, I need a language and a runtime that I care a little about a less about. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Get out um, of your or, break your old nose, break your old habits and yes, find yourself where, uh, you know, the, the only way you're going to be able to get through the project is to find something that works at all. Yeah. The other part of it is that in Python, if I was making games, there's too many, yet to be adequately solved problems that will that I'll want to try to tackle myself instead yeah. of just building the game you know like the distribution limitations and um, many and a lot of tooling lacks or a lot little lacking in the tooling world um, so I I need a place where either I am not drawn to do that or I'm just not equipped to do that because I don't have the familiarity with the tools and language that I'm working with which is essentially the case in Unity, which is you know, what I use now, exactly. um, because I can only make the games in it. I don't have enough time with it to do all the other things, or except for just make a game. Yep, because like that's one thing to say about Unity. Where other people might trash on it, whatnot, games actually get done in it. Right. 
and I'd definitely like to try to make a, my way back, maybe for maybe for certain projects, maybe for all. Um, but I think that, that time may be coming around. I just have to be able to do it in a way that um, that I don't fall into my bad habits of engine building yet again. Yep. Yeah, I totally see a case to be made for doing a large amount of the game engine in Unity and exposing uh, Python API for the more contentful bits. Because it's worked for a lot of people. Cool. All right, so I guess we want to talk about uh, what we've been up to in the meantime. Let's see. Yeah. So Yeah, what have you been doing? I have been doing a lot of things. I finished with Control, which is pretty fun. And he wasn't too bad. It's definitely set themselves up very hard for a sequel. Now, there's one thing uh, a game developer take away from playing Control I want to emphasize. It was how, after finishing the game, uh, that is to say, after beating the last boss, I was able to continue playing the game. Um, just after that wrap-up stuff, I hadn't already finished. And that was all to do so within the narrative of the story. I could have unfinished business. Not like, uh, I like that. Yeah, it's not, not like uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Similarly, you can beat Ganon and then go on and do other stuff that was still there. Because those problems, just like in the real world, those problems don't go away just because you beat the big bad. That's a great relief to be able to do that and not have to re-defeat the last boss to quote-unquote really finish the game. So that was nice. What else? Um, started playing Prey Moon Crash. That DLC. So we have a do for that, because I did rather enjoy Play. That's been fun. Interesting little roguelike experience. And that they randomize the map. Things change as you unlock more characters. I'm a little frustrated right now because difficulty ramp. Um it I think gets more intrinsically more difficult as you progress more characters. Which means that if you didn't take care of some stuff earlier, you might find it necessarily hard to complete it later on. So that's a bit of an annoying surprise. I don't know if that's any incentive to go back on a new save file or what. We'll see. And uh, watching The Good Place. Finally started watching that. Oh, so good. All right. Hence the name, The Good Place. Yes, we are very... Claire and I are probably going to watch another episode after I record this. And I can't wait to get all the way caught up. And I've been reading way too much manga. Way too much manga. I was thinking that's a little diversion during trips and whatnot. Is that the correct amount of manga? There is no correct amount of manga, only more manga. Ah. <laughs> so let's see, I've been reading Fire Force, finally started reading that. That's been interesting. They could have done much better by a certain female character. You all know who I'm talking about, especially because it wasn't even a good contribution to the writing. But yes, been very good action, impressed by the world building, especially some surprises. Also been reading, just started reading Witch Hat. Atelier, which I'm probably mispronouncing. Best been a cute read so far. Enjoying that. What else? Um, Laid Back Camp. It's a book about a young woman who go camping. And it's super chill. And it's a really nice little bedtime read. And even some more beyond that that can begin to list. So some for next time. And that's what I've been up to. That's a good chunk of stuff. Yeah. How about All right. Well, um, I guess that's my turn then. So let's see here. I got some notes about what I've been up to. So um, I have been doing some 
fiction writing and some uh, ink drawing, uh, getting my creative juices going again. They've sort of been blocked up for a while, and that's been really cool. Uh, I got some nice new fancy uh, pens, and I've been experimenting with that. Uh, I'm going to start doing some dungeon-themed pa uh, ink paintings and sort of get my, my thoughts going about that for the, for the game. Mm -hmm. Um, and also just kind of work on some short stories just because uh, I used to do more of that and I'm trying to get back to writing sort of in prep for NaNoWriMo and also to get my writing habit back up to start working on the scripts for uh, Necromancer's Escape. Nice. Um, I've also gotten some, I've been doing some semi-regular hacking on the game again, mm -hmm. um, getting getting my, getting back on track in that way. Um and I am now working on improving my map editing facilities within it. Um, I have a, a system that I like. It's um, I can't remember where I got the idea from, but it's uh, basically taking a ping file and the colors are mapped to different tiles. Um, and within each level, I can map the colors to different tiles to make like you know, different themes and setting types. Um, and that works really cool. And I can even do things like, you know, certain colors will spawn a floor with a enemy on it, and different colors will be different enemies um, and different items. Uh, but the limitations I'm getting is there's no way to encode sort of like configuration of objects. So I got to figure out some way to have extra data to do that in a way that I can actually manage easily. Like if, uh, like the configuration for the enemies, you know, like what, what attack style they have or whether or not they hide before you show up or are roaming around. So just different options some of the enemy types have like that. Um, so I got to figure out some ways to improve the map editing I have because when I need to tweak it, um, it gets a little clunky and that slows me down a lot when I'm trying to, to work on the actual maps. So I'm going to spend the next week uh, making more improvements to that so that I can uh, get to work building out the cave, the opening cave levels, um, which I've been... Um, drafting enemy types for nice. um and i have been drafting maps but i can't really build it right now because uh if i do like right now the problem is i have to change anything after i've already built out the level like once i ch once i build it then it makes it really hard to change things um aside from that um i've been reading a lot more um i have been trying to dig into some more like can uh, some more um iconic uh the Gwyn stuff i've read some of her more um like solo novels um, and I finally, for the first time, been picking up the Earthsea novels, um, Ooh, yes. which is a, 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 weird, a weird later thing to get into for, for her. Um, I did not like the end of Wizard of Earthsea, um, but I picked up the second in the series, and I'm going to give it another fair shot. I really like the beginning, I just really didn't like the end, so I'm, I'm hoping I enjoy the rest of them more. I do recall really enjoying them more the more I read them, so fingers crossed that you enjoy that as well. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Like, I... There's a lot to the style and setting that I really enjoyed, so I'm hoping to get more of that out of the other books. Um, I also finally gave the show The Orville a try, um, which I understood originally as kind of like a parody of Star Trek, and it's sort of that, but it's much less parody and more Star Trek than I thought. Yes, the promotional like, material I, was definitely a little weighed towards the humor side. Yeah, I, I didn't anticipate it being as much just a serious space sci-fi show yeah. with uh, some jokes yeah. thrown in. Um, I mean... Pleasantly surprised. A lot of it is really just good sci-fi. Yeah. Um, so I've been enjoying that. I'm up through most of season two in just the last couple of weeks. Yep. I think, if anything, some episodes have done Star Trek better than the more recent Star Trek, so big shout out to Overwatch yeah. for that. 
Yeah, um, I think so. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things I really liked in it. Um, also, um, for the family, we've been working our way through the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Mm. Oh, so oh I've been like waiting to watch that. Well, oh, like a better oh, headspace so and better brain space for it, and I can't put it off much longer. It's. I just can't. I can't say anything else except for it's just so good, uh, and it's just so it's so fulfilling to be watching it. Like the labyrinth was such like a, a a foundational piece of like the kind of things I like and aesthetics I go for, and like the feeling of a feeling I try to capture in things that I consume or make. I just it, it's it just means so much to me to be able to have more of it like that. And like every episode is over an hour. So it's like every episode is a whole new Labyrinth movie. I didn't even realize it was that long. Wow, yeah, definitely have to set time aside for that one. It's just, yeah, it's just so much, and, and that's that's great. Um, so yeah, really enjoying that. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have any time to play any games over the last week or so. Um, I did training um, at work uh, most of the last week, um, which didn't take up like evening time, but it took up a lot of brain cycles yeah. and i was tired the whole week uh from thinking a lot yeah. so i ended up sleeping more than than usual to just try to um recuperate after each day um or spending my time studying because i had to do an exam for the training so that was also interesting because i haven't you know like seriously had like a classroom setting and homework and studying and a test for 20 years oh. so that's uh, that was a trip, but also weirdly fulfilling, much more than I thought it would be. Okay. So that's also interesting. Yeah, I'm to think about my own potential future test stuff if I ever get back into school. We'll see. Okay, um, guess where we at the agenda? What are we talk about we an agenda for next week. Well, uh, you mean our aspirations for next yeah. week? We just cover that. It's how my brain's starting to fail me. It's been too much for yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got to wrap this up before it's gone completely. Yeah, I had caffeine today. No, I just say uh, for me, stick with daily writing, which I've been managing to do consistently for over, I think over sixty nine days now straight. Woo! And I had not managed to hit the three hundred word goal a while ago, so that's good. I'm gonna stick with that for a while yet because that still keeps me within the twenty five to forty five minute work time frame I prefer, and. The art project is enough, like brain straining work that I don't want to try and push myself too much. Otherwise, I'll break one way or another. And I also gave myself a sunburn yesterday, so I need to recover from that. It hurts. It hurts so much. It burns. It burns. Yeah. Um, but that is it for me. All right. Any last words? Yeah, so um, I'm gonna focus on my that map editing. I wanna not. I don't want it to be something I tinker on a little bit here and there throughout the whole course of the project because that dives into that build an engine instead of a game territory that's plagued me in the past. So I'm going to time box this week is map work. Yeah. Um, either I make improvements or I deal with the flaws in the map system. Um, the main goal being that it supports better editing of the maps and not just creation because right now that's kind of the focus. Um, so that would be important. Um, also going to try to keep up some of this um, fiction writing, like this little short stories to get back into the, the mood of writing. Partly for run up to NaNoWriMo, partly for putting into game work, and um, also just because I used to write a lot and I'm trying to get back to it because I miss it. 
NaNoWriMo. Um, it's pronounced NaNoWriMo. It's pronounced however I say it, because that's me pronouncing it. Therefore, it is pronounced because I pronounced it. Yeah. I don't know if NaNoWriMo uh, has to have opinions on that. <laughs> and, well, it's, it's NaNoWriMo because I, I read books, right? Yeah. Then a Remo? And N A N R E M O? I know I know what I'm saying. Okay? <laughs> I, know, I know you know what you're saying. And um I, I don't need to, I don't have a solid day uh, daily word count like you're trying to hit, um or, or, or need to do that for right now because it's just sort of like, you know, um build up the habit. But I think what I'm gonna try to stick to is um write more than because uh, i have a little writing tool that also tells me little things like how much i wrote over the last um couple days and week and like averages and stuff every time i'm done writing so i can easily just kind of keep a target in my mind of um always write more today than the average for the last week good so that i will just kind of ease it up you know uh yeah i think that'll work pretty well sounds good all right so thank you very much uh, for chatting calvin it's always a pleasure yeah, um, I'm sure that Python will come up a bunch of times because I'm obsessed with it, and um, <laughs> you never escape the community for better or for worse because it's it's where my 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 heart lies in in programming. Game dev. So I'm sure it'll come up. Game dev. You can never <laughs> escape. Well, um, but yeah, thanks for talking about it. Thanks for listening to the SideQuest Completed Podcast. If you aren't subscribed, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. You can also find all our episodes and our RSS feed at sidequestcompleted.com. Subscribe today and don't miss an episode posted every Wednesday. Keep game devving and we'll see you next week.